Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We just appreciate the Lord for his mercy and his grace. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. We've been going over marriage. Let's all stand right now. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to bless this uh, Bible study here today that we may uh, be better husbands and uh, better wives. Amen. And if you're not married, amen, just get prepared and ready to become one. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor, the glory. I ask you, Lord, to speak to us here today. Give us wisdom and understanding that your name may be uplifted, that you may be praised. God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us insight into your word. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We want to thank the Lord for allowing us to be here. Uh, I just appreciate God so much. And uh, we have been going over marriage. Amen. And the, the roles of a husband and wife. Um, marriage and and what you uh, are supposed to be doing as far as uh, marriage is concerned and uh, the roles that you're supposed to play. Amen. Uh, So I just want you to understand that we have already went over uh, the uh, institution of transformation, uh, which is for you to um, understand that uh, marriage is going to have trials and tribulations in them. You're going to have problems. Amen. You're going to have problems. You're going to have situations. And that's a normal normality in your marriage. Uh, turn to your neighbor and tell him it's normality. <laughs> Some of you are like, not ours, not ours. It's crazy. Amen. So I want you to understand that uh, when you are married, you have to go into a, uh, an adjustment period. And then once you have the adjustment period, you uh, learn how to deal with one another, speak to one another, and respect one another, honor one another. And according to the scriptures, that's what the Bible says. Can you say amen? So um, we want to uh, understand that uh, in marriage, there's going to be some trials and tribulations that come your way, but that's part of it because the Bible says, Think it not strange concerning these fiery uh, trials. Some strange thing has happened unto you. So they're supposed to happen. And then they're supposed to sh- sharpen you, shape you, and help you to become the woman of God you're supposed to be and the man of God you're supposed to be. Amen? If you go in with that attitude and you go in with that idea and that concept, then um, it's a, it's you're supposed to know that you're supposed to get ready, that you're not... Uh, already going in it, that you're not perfect going in it. So if you have that idea and that concept already, then when you do get married, you're ready for change. And uh, once you're ready for change, then both of you can change at the same time. So the Lord starts to deal with you on a one-to-one basis and the changes start to come. And sometimes you don't want to change. In marriage, you want to stay the same. And the other one needs to change according to you. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So uh, we need to understand that God is uh, taking us to a place of change. 
and is one of the institutions that allows you to change very rapidly, uh, so fast, the moment you say, I do, amen, there are changes that are going to be happening in your life. Uh, and uh, you're supposed to get some counsel, seek counsel, uh, get counsel on how to do it, because you don't know how to do it. And, uh, and when you don't know how to do something, and you act like you know how to do it, amen, it becomes frustrating. Uh, and it becomes very uh, difficult for some people. Because, um, you know, when you know how to do something, it's very easy. It's very simple when you know how to do it. Uh, when a, a person knows how to cook, they went to culinary school and they know how to do this. It, it's real simple. They know how to do it and it's real easy and it tastes really well. So then what happens is when a person doesn't know how to cook, uh, it, it's very difficult for them. They get frustrated just doing the eggs and the bacon and everything else. They don't know what degrees to put it in. They don't know how long to leave it there. It gets burnt and everything else. And, you know, you don't know. You just don't know. But for somebody that knows, it's very easy. So when a person goes into a relationship and you don't know how to do it, it gets frustrating. It's very difficult for you. And you, act, you can't act like you know how to cook. Can't act like you know it all because it's gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna come out burnt. Can you say, <laughs> it's gonna come out all messed up. It's gonna come out all tore up. And you're like, man, I, I thought it was this way. I thought, you know, putting that at 450 for an hour was gonna be okay. But it's not. So unless you know, you know how to do it, then, uh, it becomes very frustrating for you. And it becomes very, uh, there's a word I'm looking for, but I can't seem to find it right now. I got a brain lock. But anyways, my point being is uh, you have to know, uh, get seek counsel. Uh, I remember when we got married 30-something years ago, um, we, I didn't know how to do it. There was things that I, I said. There's things that um, we did that I didn't know what to do or how to do it. And I needed to go seek counsel from the pastor and and tell him, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? I don't know what to do. And a person that does that is a humbled individual. You need to understand that when you do this, you, you need to humble yourself because you don't have all the answers. I know I didn't. I didn't have all the answers. So I needed to humble myself. You know, there's um, the male, the, the alpha male tells you, I, I got this, don't worry. Uh, I got it all under control, but you don't have it under control. Can you say amen, church? You just don't have it under control. So you need to let go and let the Lord guide you and direct you. And that's why you have the Holy Ghost to teach you and show you what you need to do. Can you say amen? So the transformations will take place and your maturity level will happen when you start to mature uh, in people's um, imperfections, in your wife's imperfections, in your husband's imperfections, your maturity starts growing because now you see that they need help or you need help, and your maturity starts growing, then you start putting yourself to one side of all your, your wants and your desires, and you start helping them to get to the level that they need to be. Uh, we also use the examples of, uh, of don't give up until you, you know, before you grow up. Uh, don't give up before you grow up. And also the other one is sparring with your partner. That you spar with your partner uh, to get to a, 
a place where you are actually um, weak in an area and they're sparring with you, the spar partner that sparks with you. They're sparring with you to help you, not to hurt you. You don't knock them out right away, you know, and then they don't, they can't help you get to that place. That's not what they're there for. They're there to help you to get to, to perfect yourself, to get you to the next level uh, so that the, when the enemy does come, you're, you know how to fight. You know what to do. You know how to do it. So I want you to understand that these are the lessons that we have gone over. And um, I just thank the Lord for all of that, that all of you that are taking heed to these, these uh, lessons. And there's more to come. Um, there's forgiveness. Um, that's a big one. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that's a big one. You're going to have to learn how to forgive. Amen. Learn how to forgive one another. Yeah, even though, you know, you have all the right in the world to go ahead and hold it in their face. Amen. But you got to learn how to forgive. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Peter chapter 3. Uh, the title of this uh, Bible study is uh, Married with Children. Amen. <laughs> Married with children. All right. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be using the NLT, uh, but if you uh, want to use the, the King James, it's up to you. The Bible says this in verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husband. Stop right there. And I can preach all night just on that one subject. On that one verse, uh, it's not even fully, it's the half a verse, amen. So the Bible tells us, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and relative lives. So the Bible's telling us, first of all, if you have a husband, uh, first you got to understand that you got to accept the authority of your husband. There are some people that have a different concept that say, if my husband is not in the Lord, then I can leave him. Uh, I want you to understand that that's not correct according to the scriptures. The Bible tells us that uh, if you have an unconverted husband, uh, that you should, and he accepts you coming to church, that he, that you should stay with him in order for you to go ahead and win him over with the help of the Lord. So this is what the Bible's saying. He says, first of all, you need to accept the authority of your husband. It didn't say of your godly husband. It said of your husband. So your husband has authority. And most of the time, most people, most women, will not accept their authority because of the way they are. So then what happens is they demean them and put them down to a different level and they do not want to respect them or give them the authority that they're supposed to have. Uh, knowing this, you have to understand that when you get to that point in your life, you will disrespect your husband in every area of your life. And let me give you an example. Um, in Congress, uh, the Democrats and Republicans, when they come to the uh, capital when they when he addresses the whole nation the president addresses the whole nation he addresses the whole nation but once he walks in 
Everyone is supposed to stand to their feet and clap and honor the position of a president. Not so much his views or who he is or what it's all about, but they're supposed to honor the position of the president of the United States. So they're all supposed to unite together and honor that position. So it is also uh, the husband is supposed to be honored. Not all of them that are in Congress agree with his with his uh, political ways and what he says and how he says it. And so also it's, it's the same way that the wife uh, will not always agree with the husband. But you have to understand that when you, when you put your husband as give them the authority, you're saying, look, I'm going to learn how to submit unto him because that's what God says. Uh, wives, submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. So when you start learning how to submit unto your husband and giving him that authority, you have so much power. Sister, you got so much power uh, that you have the power to submit to any man you want. And you chose that man that's sitting next to you. That's a lot of power. You got a lot of power, sister, that you chose to go ahead and submit to the one that you have next to you which is your husband, and your husband, you're giving him the authority, you're telling him, I want you to lead me, guide me, direct me. No other man, there's 7 billion people, 7 billion plus people on the earth, and you decided to say, I'm going to go ahead and just submit to you and you alone. That's a lot of power. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that it's not just because you, the Bible says, wives submit unto your husbands or give them the authority. Uh, it's because you have authority your own self and you have power your own self. You have the power to go ahead and, and, uh, refuse this one. I want to want, I want to be with this one or I want to be that one. You, you can decide. And when you made that decision, you decided, Hey, I'm going to give him all the authority and I'm going to go ahead and submit and do what God wants me to do. Can you say amen, church? So this is why in the Bible says, in the same way, wives, you must accept the authority of your husbands. And then the Bible says, then even so, uh, if some refuse to obey the good news, your own godly lives will speak to them without any word. So your example of you learning how to submit and become the woman of God that God wants you to be is so powerful because you ain't got to say one word and your actions will speak louder than your words. Can you say amen, church? So your actions will speak louder. The sister, when you, when their husband asks you to do something and he's not converted, fully converted, and you know he's not converted, fully converted, and you tell him, uh, you can use that as an excuse to say, man, you're not even serving God anyway. Can you say, you're backstanding anyhow. Can you say amen? And, and use that as an excuse and justify your own actions to say, no, I'm not going to do it. But yet the Bible's telling us, look, you need to change your attitude, change your view, because when they're backsliding, they need to see an example that's be, being obedient and submitting to the Lord and letting God be God in their life. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that when God starts dealing with you, it's because He's dealing with you so that you can go ahead and become the example that God wants you to be. When God was dealing with Moses, he even told Moses, look, I want to use you, but not for you, for my people. 
I'm just going to use you, and, and I'm, but I'm going to use you for my people. So I want you to understand that when God starts using you, it's for God to go ahead and have a, a bigger scope, a vision, a powerful vision that God is going to do something in your life. Much greater, your kids, your children, uh, your wife, your husband, something is going to happen that God is going to go ahead and reveal to you a much greater thing when God starts dealing with you. You can't be so selfish or so uh, naive that you think it's just you that God is dealing with you because it trickles. There's a ripple effect that goes from generation to generation. Can you say amen? So I want you to understand that when the Bible tells us, even if some refuse to obey the good news, with they even refuse to listen to the pastor, they refuse to listen to the ministry, refuse to listen to the to the leaders, they refuse to listen to even anybody who comes to them, but they will listen to the wife. That's deep right there. That is so much power, so much authority to the wife because the wife... By the example, he, he's in his heart saying, man, if she can do it, then you can. You got to feel convicted in some certain area. The husband got to feel convicted. Now, if they join together and start arguing and cussing at one another and going off, then what conviction is there? There is no conviction. Can you say amen? If the wife is praying, you know, going to the room because there's an argument, and the wife goes to the room and starts praying, speaking in tongues, don't you think the brother's going to get convicted in the living room hearing her speak in other tongues? Can you say that? Like, oh my God. You're looking to see if God's going to strike you or anything, you know? Because you can hear her speaking in other tongues in the other room. You're just like, oh man, I messed up. I got to fix this, man. Right away you get convicted. So you need to understand that their actions speak louder than your words. So when you start doing that, that's powerful. That is so much power, so much anointing in your life that people around you start to change the situation because of your actions. Can you say amen? So then the Bible says, um, uh, the Bible tells us this, uh, don't be uh, concerned about the outward beauty. I think we, we, we yeah, number three. Verse 3, it says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty, um, fancy hairstyle, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. Can you say amen? The infatible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. So one of the things that God is saying in this, um, one of the, script, the scriptures are saying, is that we have to start looking at the inward appearance, the inward thing that's happening inside of you. God deals with you on the inward. And whatever starts, whatever starts happening on the inside starts radiating onto the outside. So when it starts radiating to the outside, all of a sudden now you get to see what's on the inside. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever's on the inside is going to radiate to the outside, whether your spirit is right, whether you have a humble spirit, a right spirit, or an angry spirit, or uh, fatigued, or frustrated, whatever it is, it's going to come out. And you need to understand that when the Lord starts dealing with you in this area, uh, it's because he's trying to deal with you in your heart. 
and dealing with your heart, you need to start reflecting upon your heart and seeing what is it? What is, why am I acting this way? Why do I see myself this way? What is going on here? Why do I see it? And when you start reflecting upon it, that's why David said, Lord, search my heart. See if I have any sin in me. I, I need this thing taken care of. Help me to understand what I got to do to change it. And the Lord will help you to change it, the situation, whether you, it's up to you whether you want a change or not. Can you say amen? So I want you to understand. So the Bible says, uh, don't be concerned with the outward beauty because some people fix themselves really, really well, but then on the inside, it's all messed up. You know, you're good, apostolic, you know, Pentecostal, great, wonderful, but yet on the inside, you know, you're, you're a gossiper, you're a liar, cheater, conniver, manipulator, you know what I mean? So you got to be careful that you're not just showing it on the outside, but it's, it's a genuine change on the inside. That God is dealing with you on a one-to-one basis. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. He says this. He says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husband. He says, for instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her daughter, and when you do what is right, without fear, or what your husband might do. He says, first of all, the the sisters from old, they were the examples. Now, let me me explain to you what the scriptures are saying, because you um, you could be a sister that's been in the Lord for, uh, 10 years, and you could be 35. Uh, and you can have an older sister that's 45 and barely coming in to the Lord. Uh, this is her first week, her first month, she just got baptized. Um, the one that's been here the longer and the one that's been converted longer is the elder. It, just because she's younger doesn't mean that... Uh, She's younger just in age. She's, she's older in the spirituality and in her walk with the Lord. So age is just a number. So when we talk about the women of old, we're talking about sisters that have been in the Lord for a long period of time and know how to submit and know their place in their, in their, in their relationship with their husband and know their relationship in church. So the Bible tells us that here, um, that you have to be very careful because uh, there are sisters that come in that are older and they think, hey, I'm older than you are. You should be submitting to me. <laughs> and that's not correct. So it is also with the brothers. So I want you to understand the conversion of a person is determining how long that they are, whether it's been 10 years or whether it's been one year. So the, the longer the person, then the person has already had 10 years spirituality. He's 10 years old now. The one that just got baptized, they're just a year old. So they don't know too much. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do. And they need teachings. They need guidance. They need direction on how to do it. And that's why you need help, brother. You need help, sister, to help you, to guide you through. Because you ain't never been a wife before. You ain't never been a husband before. So you don't know how to do it. You don't know what to do. 
I remember so clearly, I didn't know what to do or how to do it. I didn't know what to say and certain things. And I had to listen to the Bible studies. I had to listen to how to raise up children. I had to listen to the Bible studies of how to be a man, how to, how to deal with myself, how to overcome myself, how to, how to become the man of the house and, and lead my family. I never let them. I never done any of this. So it was all foreign to me. So it's very difficult. So don't ever think that you have it down because you don't. So the Bible says, for instance, Sarah obeyed her husband and Abraham and Abraham and called him master. Now I have my wife call me master all the time. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only joshing. She don't call me master. I'm just, I'm just messing around. <laughs> she never has called me master. <laughs> but I, I want you to understand that it is the, uh, it is the, um, the relationship that they have that causes her to go ahead and submit to Abraham. The relationship that they have with one another causes her to put him in a certain position. So when he puts him in a certain position, she goes ahead and, and says, okay, I'm going to give you the authority for this. And you go ahead and, and lead us and guide us. So the Bible's telling us that when you start learning how to go ahead and put um, your husband in authority, sometimes it's going to be very difficult for you because you don't know uh, how to submit or what to do. All your life, you never submitted. You were never obedient, you know. The probation officers, your father, your mother, I mean, the judge, the PO, psychologist. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? Where all of a sudden you just, ah, get out of here. I don't, I don't want to hear anything. The authority that you had in your life was nothing. It was pushed to one side. It's, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You ain't my daddy. You ain't my mama. You didn't listen to them anyhow. So then the point is, is that the authority and the relationship that she's giving Abraham is so powerful that she's saying, I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to give you this authority in our relationship. Can you say amen, church? Amen. So the Bible says this. It says, in the same way, Verse 7 says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. Uh, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will be not hindered. So the Bible tells us, first of all, in verse 7, it says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives and treat your wives with understanding. First of all, the Bible's telling us that, brother, you need to know the role that you play uh, as a husband. And what I mean by that is you need to know that you need to help your wife. Uh, you need to be the one that, to provide for everything. Let me, let me give you an example. When a person comes to the Lord, and you, you've been here in the Lord and you're, you're serving God for a year, two years, three years, and you see a sister and the sister has a car, she has an apartment, she has everything. Uh, you, you're the one that's supposed to be the husband 
to take her out of that situation and get your own and kind of label your own. Because that's what the world does. The world does and says, well, you got your own apartment and you got your own car. And they have no accountability, no responsibility for nothing. So the so when you come to church, it's totally different. The husband has to take responsibility for what he's going to do. He has to lead them. He has to guide them. He has to direct them. But if he has no, no accountability in the house, then it's easy for him to say, I'm out. It's all under your name. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ruin your credit. I'm going to pull out some money. And it's all in your name. God bless you. <laughs> That's the way the world used to do it. The world is used to doing it that way. And no accountability whatsoever. I tell her, brother, listen. You, Anyways. Lord have mercy. Ay, ay, ay. We need some brothers to be men in the house of the Lord. Take care of business and guide them and direct them on what they should be doing. And the reason why is because you're the one that has to take the responsibility for your uh, wife and for her children. If they're not your children, then you need to take responsibility for those children. You can never say those are your children. Don't ever say that, brother, because that's that's insulting. That means that you are not taking the responsibility for whatever you have gotten. All of a sudden now, uh, you're saying those are yours and those are mine. This is, that's, that's ridiculous. You are the one that has to take the authority for your family. And you're the one that has to say, look, if we're going to do this, that's your debt. That's not my debt. Anybody ever heard that? That's not my debt. That was before we met. That's your debt. <laughs> brother, if she has $20,000 in debt, well, praise the Lord. That's your debt too. You're going to have to take that debt, pay that debt. Praise the Lord. It's that simple. You don't have to go ahead and say, well, that's yours and this is mine and You know, husband and wives that have different uh, bank accounts is like ridiculous to us because you're supposed to become as one. You're not supposed to have two different bank accounts and then not have your husband on one bank account and have your... Anyways, forget it. Lord, have mercy. Amen. I don't know how I got off on that. All right, here we go. Verse 8. Let's go to verse 7. Verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7. She may be a weaker vessel, weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So the Bible's telling us, first of all, listen, you need to learn, brother, that, that she's a weaker vessel, so you got to treat her differently. So you can't treat her the same way you would everything else, even though she's equal in your calling. She's equal in the calling of what God has in her life. You have to learn to treat her differently. Can't treat her like the fellas. Can't treat her uh, like, hey, you know what? You go do it yourself. You know, uh, I got a flat tire. Uh, yeah, well, change it. Uh, what's up? <laughs> I, <laughs> didn't your dad teach you how to change a tire? <laughs> he said, 
you're the one that has to go over there, sacrifice, go leave the car, <laughs> leave your car, let her take your car, and you stay the one with the one that's messed up. And fix it. <laughs> fix the thing. That's your responsibility. Don't fi- Well, you figure out a way. Get an Uber. Can you say that? That's really sad. The husband needs to take care of responsibility, period. So I want you to understand the Bible says, even though she's a weaker vessel, you guys are equal partners together in the gift of, li- of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers may not be hindered. Both of you have to be on the same page. If not spiritually, it's affecting your prayers. And if, you, if you're not going to be on the same page, it will affect your, your relationship with God and it's no longer your prayers are being heard. They're only going to the rooftops and that's it. So according to the scriptures, you're going to have to be on the same page. Uh, so the Bible says in verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you should be in one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humbled attitude. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, keep a humble attitude. Lord, have mercy. Sympathetic with one another, understanding another person's uh, ways of how they are, what they're doing. Your job is to be sympathetic towards that other person of how they are, what's going on with them, and helping them in a situation because, you know, you he- you're supposed to help one another. The, the right hand is supposed to help the left, and it's supposed to ha- continue to help one another to get to the place where you need to be. It's not to go ahead and, and uh, put the other one down. You know, it's really sad when the, the wife or the husband have the first response when you, you're talking and you're saying, you know what, I really don't like when you do it like this, like this, and like this. I would like if you do it like this. And the first response is, well, what about you? Does anybody know? Not in this church, but in the other church. Well, what about you? It's really sad that if, if you're helping one another, uh, you don't re- basically throw it in their face and say, well, what about you? You're supposed to help them in the time of need. Though your mind is going 100 miles an hour and saying, what about you? You don't have to verbalize it. You don't got to say it. That's part of putting your flesh under subjection. That's part of putting your flesh and saying, you know what, I got to put my flesh under subjection. I got to learn how to put this flesh and this mouth under subjection. Amen. Okay. So then the Bible says, being tenderhearted, keeping a humble attitude. Listen, you're going to have to learn to be humble all the time when you are married. And the reason for that is because that's the only way your marriage is going to function. If you're humbling yourself one to another. And sometimes it feels unfair because one of you is humbling yourself more than the other. (laughs) So the Bible tells us for you to humble yourself, tenderhearted, be tenderhearted and keeping a humble attitude. That means you don't have to you, you're, you don't have to fight for division. Division's already there. It's knocking on your door when you're kicking back. 
You're just relaxing, watching TV. Division's already there. It's, it's, it'll knock. It'll be there at your house. You're trying to bring in unity and humble heart and try to bring it into your house. That's the, that's the going to be the fight on an everyday basis. Go ahead. Just give God a round of applause. It's okay. So then you have to start fighting for unity in the house. You got to fight. Why? Because marriage is going to be a constant rubbing. Uh, um, it's going to smoothing you out. It's a constant battle of one back with the other. You can easily say what you're thinking. You can easily say it. But everyone should know what the scriptures say when you just speak without thinking. The Bible says a fool uttereth all his mind. Can you say that? I mean, it's easy for us to do that. Just say what we... And you just let the chips fall where they fall. And however it happens, it happens. But that's not being wise. You can do it if you want, but that's not being wise. That's not having wisdom and understanding and helping them and having a humble heart and tender hearted. That's not going to help you any. It's not going to help your marriage to get to the next level of your life. And the Bible tells us that we should uh, be sympathetic, tender hearted, and keeping a humble attitude all the time. That should be your number one thing, a humble attitude. Uh, you as the alpha male, uh, you can, you can say whatever you want to say. It's your house. Any man can do whatever he wants, but is it wise? You got to use wisdom in order for you to go ahead and win your family over, win your wife over, win your children over. Is it wise for you to do that? Absolutely not. So you can do whatever you want to do, and you will establish your home a certain way, and that's up to you. But the Bible's telling us for us to always learn how to be tenderhearted and having a humble attitude. Can you say amen, church? Then verse 9 tells us, don't repay evil for evil. Uh, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. <laughs> that is what God has called you to do. He will grant you his blessings for the scriptures say. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand. The Bible's telling us this. First of all, don't retaliate. You don't have to retaliate. It's not going to be with, it's not going to do you any good to retaliate to the partner that you have. It's not going to do you any good. There's no wisdom in that. It's almost like shooting your own foot. Boom. And, and, and walking around like, oh man, I messed up. And some people don't want to even see the foot shot. I'm not shot. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Do you understand? They're bleeding all over the place, making a mess all over the place. And everybody sees it, but I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to destroy your own home, what God has already given you and blessed you with in order to be the man of God and the woman of God that God wants you to be. So the Bible's telling us for us uh, not to go ahead and retaliate. Don't pay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults, because that's the first thing that comes to our heart and our mind, is insults. 
Because when somebody tells you something that you don't like, you just want to, uh, Lord have mercy. Okay, so I want you to understand that that's the first action that comes to a carnal person. To a carnal person, that's the first action that comes is to retaliate. Oh, you want to make me feel like this? I won't make you feel like this. So then all of a sudden to a carnal person, that is automatic. That's like an automatic trigger. You go to the store and somebody gets the cart in front of you and you were already touching it. You're like, hey, what's up? Instead of saying, God bless you, go ahead, use it, you know, do whatever you got to do. Your attitude is totally different. You're like, hey, that's my cart. It ain't even got your name on it. It don't got nothing. It's my cart. Everybody, so you, you got to understand that your attitude has to change in this idea and this concept when it comes to husband and wife. Now, I want you to understand also being tenderhearted, uh, keeping a humble attitude. Don't pay evil for evil. Don't, um, don't retaliate and use insults uh, with people, insulting them. Instead, pay them back with a blessing, uh, and that what is God that called you to do. So the Bible says God called you to do that, to bless somebody. Now, let me, let me explain that so you understand. You have been anointed. You have been uh, filled with the power of the glory of the Holy Ghost. So that when you go to somebody and you say, God bless you, some of us just use it as, as a simple phrase. But when you say God bless you, God honors your word. So that's why he said, when you tell somebody, don't, don't, don't go and start evil. He said, you're going to bless them and because you're going to speak a blessing and it's going to come to pass. So you have so much authority, so much power. So much anointing that when you say God bless you and the person's not even right, God's still going to bless him because he honors your word. Can you say amen, church? So then he says, this is why he says, look, don't pay them for evil. Don't be paying them for evil because you have blessings inside of you. And if you don't recognize that, you're going to use all kinds of evil stuff. You're going to start saying all kinds of things instead of recognizing that your spirit has to be the same way that Christ is. And he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. So then he says in verse eight, he says, finally, all of you should be in one mind, sympathetic, each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, being tenderhearted. Amen. Let's go to verse. Um, let's go to verse 10. Says for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. That's a, that's one of the keys that happen in marriage. You have to learn to keep your mouth shut. Lord have mercy. That's a hard one for some. <laughs> you got to learn how to use the scriptures to just, just to listen. Just listen. Do you know that some people just want you to listen? They don't want you to fix it. 
I just want you to listen. And according to the scriptures, me and you have the Holy Ghost. We have the power. We have the anointing. We even have the blessings inside of us to change that person's attitude, spirit, and everything else around them. The whole environment we can change because we have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of us. So we can change that stuff in a second, in a heartbeat. We can change it. The problem is some people don't recognize how much power you have, how much anointing you have, how much uh, power you have to change the environment. You, you don't recognize it. We don't see it. So then when you start to look at things and you start to see it, uh, you need to understand that if you want to enjoy life, see many happy days. It says keep your tongue from speaking evil uh, and your lips. You got to close your mouth. Because sometimes you're going to say some stuff that don't even make any sense. You say stuff and, you, and then you hear yourself. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? Some people speak and then they have to hear themselves. They say, forget it. Disregard what I told you. Because it sounded a whole lot better in your head. Right? Sounded a whole lot, man, it sounded so good. <laughs> so when you said it, you're like, oh my gosh, what happened here? <laughs> so I want you to understand, the Bible's telling us, you have to be careful because you're about to give a blessing. But not only that, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, he tells you, you got to refrain your tongue and you got to keep your mouth shut. Because what's getting you in trouble is your mouth. What's getting you in trouble is you continuing to speak and speak out of nonsense, out of nothing. What did you guys have an argument about? I don't know. I forgot. Really? How long did it last? Ten hours. We're at it. What was it about? I don't know. I forgot. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like there's nothing there. It's just like, it's just wow, what happened? Why aren't you speaking blessings in your house? The moment you recognize something, listen, when you start discerning spirits in your house, is the moment you recognize there's a spirit that's different, you, you should stop everything. And you should call it out as it is. And then if you need to pray with your wife or your husband, or your children, you need to get down on your knees and start praying right there. Get it out of your house. Get that thing out of your house, period. Get that thing out of there. Because it doesn't belong there. Okay. Let me explain so, I, so you understand. You know, there are some children, uh, there's some wives, husband and wives, that when they get married, all, all of their business goes to the children. And sometimes you lose focus on one another's romance. You lose focus on going out on dates, uh, dating one another. You, you lose focus on telling her, hey, I love you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you brothers haven't told your wife you love her in I don't know how long. You haven't even kissed her to tell her you love her. You know, it's really sad. 
that you lose those things because of the kids. And then the kids become priority in your life. And the kids take the place of your husband and the kids take the place of your wife. And you want to take care of the kids more than you want to take care of your wife or your husband. And that's really sad. Do you know that in the end, your kids leave you? They're gone. The only ones that are left is your husband and wife. That's the only ones left. You came in together, you're leaving together. That's it. The only ones left. And when you start putting them, when you start putting the kids in front, and you start putting your husband secondary, or you start putting your wife secondary, what happens is you lose both the romance, you lose the spark, you lose everything that's there, and it becomes very difficult, becomes very mundane, it becomes uh, just an ordinary thing in your life, and it's no longer romance, it's no longer excitement, it's no longer something where you, you excite, your fantasies are all gone, you don't even have those, they're, they're just gone. And you need to understand that you need to keep those alive because when you're married and you have children, uh, you have to learn to keep the spark constantly flowing. And uh, when you put your children there, you know that some people have children that uh, are 10 years old, 5 years old, 10 years old, and they put, they put the children in the stead of the husband and, and vice versa. The husband puts them in the stead of the wife. The daughter becomes like the wife, more attentive to the daughter, more attentive to the, to the boy, to the son. And they become like the husband and the wife. And it's really sad because they were never meant to play that role. You're supposed to stay the same. No, the Bible says, let no man pull asunder what God has put together. And some of you are letting your children pull you asunder and they be, get in the middle. They're in the middle of you. You know, when we have a lot of people that come in to the program, uh, we talk to the, to the parents and we tell them, listen, uh, most of the problem is you because mom doesn't want to let go of the son or let go of the daughter. The father doesn't want to let go of the, father, of the daughter. And what happens is all of a sudden now, uh, the son becomes like the father. They serve the, the little kid. They serve him 15 years old, 20 years old. They serve him in the room. And, Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> All of a sudden, and mom comes out with meatloaf. Yes, honey, here. Treating him like the husband, which is ridiculous. So they start treating them like the husband, and then they treat the daughter like the wife. And the, and the daughter becomes like the wife. And whatever she wants, yes, give it to But then the wife, nothing. She got rags and all messed up and everything else, and the daughter looks really nice. It's really sad that when you're married, you need to learn how to keep the marriage to one another. And you got to go on dates. You got to go on dates. If you don't go on dates, you're going to destroy your marriage. And I'm not talking about once a year on your anniversary. 
Okay. You need to go on dates like at least once, at least once a month. You need to go on a date. You know, the way you used to, remember, brother, the way you used to wine and dine her and help her and chocolates, ride a bike. You didn't have a car. You would ride a bike to her house. Any, anybody know? Skateboard. Hey, brother, let me have that skateboard. I'm gone, man. I got to see my woman. You know, what happened? What happened with the zeal, the passion, the desire, the, the love, the mercy, you know? Everything that you had in the beginning, you know? You were sacrificing and you were spending your last dime just to talk to her. Your ear was all hot and everything else. Remember those days? The big old phone, the big old plastic one? Your ear was all, you would change it over. May warm up this one and then change it over again. <laughs> Does anybody remember those days? Where you would talk and talk and talk. Now you don't even want to talk. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> okay, so let me explain so you understand. When you start to become married, you have to learn to work at it even more so. To, to in order, in order for the roles that you play is father and mother, but you're also husband and wife. And that has to stay still the same. That can't just be absorbed in father and mother, and that's it. That's not going to work. You got to at least take her out. And I don't mean take her out with all the kids. We're going to go to dinner. And then all the kids are sitting in the back seat. You guys be quiet. It's a date night. <laughs> that means get a babysitter, brother. Pay for a babysitter. That means take your responsibility. Pay for a babysitter. Take care of your business. Lord, that was weak. That was so weak. Because before you used to do the exact same thing. When you were dating her, sacrifice, no problem. Done. Gas, $100, no problem. Don't worry about it. I'll fly over there, fly back, fly over there, fly back. Don't worry about it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? So then you need to get that back. You need to spark that back and allow God to go ahead and don't lose it again. Don't lose it. You need to get it back and continue to keep moving forward in it so you stay in love all the time. Amen. Stay in love all the time. Anyways, we're going to finish this off next week with the help of the Lord. My point being is this. You're going to have to learn how to deal with each other learn how to have romance one with another um, brothers if you haven't gotten your wife any flowers get her flowers uh, some of you don't open the car door for your wife it's kind of sad you know chivalry uh, is either dead or alive it all depends on which household you're in you know you got to learn how to 
to open the car door for your wife. Uh, and that's not only when she has the food. <laughs> you got to learn how to open it all the time. Amen. Get out of the car. I mean, you're already at the store and you're like, where is she? She's still waiting for you in the car to open the door. <laughs> Sister, <laughs> Sister, I know what I'm telling you. You need to learn to put some boundaries on your husband. Lord, I wish I had another half hour. Man. You got to put some boundaries on your husband because he's only going to treat you the way you allow him to treat you. So if you want to be, the door, car door to be open from, from this day forward, stay in the car until he opens the door. Because he's going to need you. He's going to need you. I had another half hour. Anyways, Lord have mercy. God bless you. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's all stand. <laughs> Listen, if you're not doing things right in the eyes of the Lord, as far as a husband is concerned, uh, you need to go ahead and, and repent, ask the Lord to show you, and then get back to where you need to be. Amen. If we can always make a U-turn. You can always make a U-turn in the Lord. Always, always, always. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're doing. You can always make a U-turn in the Lord. Always, always, always repent. And do it right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? So I want you to understand, please, if you're not doing it correctly, and if you're not married, please get all the tips. Write it down. Write down notes. Do it everything you have to do. Amen. And uh, God's going to bless you in your marriage when you start honoring it. Uh, but I want you to all start praying and asking the Lord to start doing it right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If we're not doing it right, please just do it right from here on in. Change your attitude. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, change your attitude.